0: the bullpen session. This is Patrick Lellis. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Glad everyone's okay. Um, still hoping everyone is. And yeah, I'm excited uh, this week to talk, uh, share the conversation I had with playwright Crystal Skelman. Crystal's a friend of mine and uh, someone I've known for a while, playwright. I feel like I've known her for at least we talked over the time of how long she's been writing, but I feel like at least a decade. And that I've been a w- friends with her and aware of her work. And I wanted to talk to Crystal because right before the pandemic, we talk about a show she did called Open. So when we hear the name Open, it's this beautiful one-person solo show that was about grief. And the main the character is a magician. And it's really theatrical. And... It was clear at that moment, like when I saw the play at the tank, that um, the play was going to be successful and it was going to have a life. I mean, it was a great play and one character in theatrical, so a lot of easy to produce because the theatricality was a lot in the characters the magician's imagination or used our imagination uh, to tell the story. and talks about that during the conversation, her awareness of relationship to the play and the audience, and what that magic is in all of her writing. But it was clear after you know strengthening her voice for years and getting into the community, but not quite having in my you know outside of observation and friendship not quite getting that launch of her work and it was clear it was about to happen, and then the pandemic happened and you know, you sort of worry like, oh shit, it's not going to happen. This person's right there. And then Crystal was impressive to watch during the last year and a half change, you know, go to audio drama, which may have happened before we talk about it, and writing in all kinds of different mediums during this pandemic. And now that things are starting to open up, Today, Rain and Zoe Saved the World, which is a new play with music. We talk about that you know, first performance is today in London uh, with the German Street Theater Company. And and the week before we talked, she was in Minneapolis doing a workshop of a play at the Playwright Center. And so during it, using all the different opportunities to create and, and, and having an openness to possibility when things were opening up and ready for production She also maintained relationships and kept the strength of her writing muscles going. And it seems to that foundation of open of the play that was happening, you know, that momentum of that kept going. And I think it's great. And I'm really excited. I'm really glad to, you know, she's somebody I've wanted to talk to since the beginning of the podcast. And it just seems like the perfect time. And for those of you who listen in London, I hope you'll check out her play. Yeah, it's really good. And, and I'm, you know, I also wanted to say as things are opening up and I commented on that is um, I'm aware, as I said last week, like, oh, we should go out and see people's plays and show up and the community is great. And I also, thinking about the conversation with Crystal about remaining open to possibilities and different ways of communicating your art, I also want to say as things are opening up And I'm feeling this momentum, like it's so funny in the middle of March through April, a lot of things are happening at the same time for the farm and for me. And I'm like, oh, I want to make sure that we don't just get back on the hamster wheel, like that we're doing it differently, that we're doing it, that we learned something, that I learned something over the year and a half, two years of being shut down. Of like, how do I want to work? What's best for the piece? What's best for me? And not to get caught up in oh, it's, you know, it's good to be working. It's good to be busy. It's good to be whatever, you know, and make sure that we're taking care of the art and ourselves and, uh, and hopefully learning from this experience of like, how do we want to create? And, you know, how do we want to approach the work? And keep saying we, I'm really talking about me, but I was, you know, how do I want to do these things and, and not to get stuck in the trap and the confines of like, oh, well, there's opportunity back and I got to take it because, you know, we're grateful to have work, which we didn't have for two years or, you know, pre pandemic, it's a hard industry, regardless, you know, you feel this sense of luck or privilege because, you know, you're being offered a job, you know, just to pay attention to it. And I really, really appreciated the conversation with Crystal because I think she took this time to really listen to like, Oh, what is this calling for? What is this calling for? How else can we do this? And, you know, you're going to hear that it's it's paying off. And she's also very thoughtful and not only a great writer, but a great teacher. And you'll hear what she shares and what she's learned along the way. And with that, play ball.
1: So, Rain's Always Save the World, which is about two teenage climate activists that steal motorcycle and go cross country to shut down a pipeline. I, I was working on this for a few years, and there is something really interesting about the eye of the pandemic, um, where there was a reading of this play we did, in, um, and and Herschel's is the director um, that we did in a for Drew and Dane Productions, and it was it was the night before Broadway shut down. We didn't know that at the time. We knew. We, I, I, we'd already been a little nervous and, 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 and keeping track of things, but, um, and this is obviously for the States, because obviously in other countries, it, it was being spoken about more openly or being discovered, you know, Americans were, uh, had their heads in the sand or, you know, didn't know what the hell was happening. And so, um, uh, yeah, so I there was open, you know, when the pandemic hit, there were so many plays like on the plate, there was there was open, what will happen with open, you know, I know, we just got picked up from John's play service, it hadn't come out yet. My first thought was like, I can't do my regular signing, like, I don't know what to do. And, and then and then there, there was, um, you know, this, these producers were interested, uh, you know, is that still going to continue? We're in a pandemic, we can't do theater, what does this mean? Um, and so almost every project had come to this precipice. And then it was kind of like, what's going to happen next? And I, I think it's because they speak so well to the times and reflect questions we have today that the power of the subjects and the power of the writing uh, compelled, like, it's like, it's like the Exorcist, compelled people to see it through. And I'm just really grateful because that was difficult. And some of it was inventiveness, like we had happened to film uh, open. It just happened to be beautiful film by Crystal Arnett, who's a, who's a beautiful filmmaker. I didn't know that I, I originally was for archival purposes, but she showed up with three cameras and it ended up being a film. So, you know, Broadway and demand wanted it. And then when they were like, oh, we can't do it quite yet. Show it where you want. So these things kind of organically, these little roads and doors seem to open at, at this very disturbing time. And I guess because I'm a downtown artist, I was like, you know, if if someone calls you a god, God, you say yes. You know, so I knew to walk (laughs) through these doors and I knew to I knew I knew that if the way is a little funky, it's okay because I've had 15 years of it being weird and bizarre and strange. Um, So I just started to kind of live that way.
0: Interesting, because the 15 years is one thing, but I felt like right. And it may be my perception because open was that beautiful one, you know, just so people know, this beautiful one person show that Mm. was clearly from my seeing of it and i think the experience of it clearly like it's going to have a life you know and when i and i remember feeling that way and talking to you when i saw it um but the and you did say the 15 years but it felt like right around that point you were just you were getting from my outside eye and a fan and a friend from you know is like oh crystal's getting her footing like there's this real uh sense of other people are paying attention, and your your voice is maturing and strong. And uh, not that it wasn't before strong; it's always been strong, I think. But it was it felt like you were taking a like there was a foundation underneath you at mm-hmm. that point. And I thought what was interesting when you said like this culmination of 15 years and saying yes, is instead of the pandemic being this thing that pulled that foundation out from under you. It opened all these other doors, like you're saying, like oh, this they did a good film of it, and so it was able to be shown. And also seemed like, and I don't know if you were starting to do King Kirby before, but um, doing the audio drama was yeah. you know starting to happen. And 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 th- did that happen because of the pandemic also?
1: That also was a little bit of a circumstantial pebble, um, where um, the uh, we had because of Kickstarter, and this also comes from inventiveness. And so uh, Fred Van Lenty, my husband, who writes uh, for Marvel and and is writing Jennifer Blood now for Dynamite, and a lot of great uh, pieces. Also, your listeners might know him better as the writer of Action Philosophers. Um, you know, uh, wrote this play, and so we we only had eight legendary performances and a great New York Times rave. I'll never forget being there with Stephen Rattazzi at a bar, being like, oh, but the transfer, if we could do this, if we could do that. And Stephen Rattazzi, who's so incredible and in Indecent, if, if, hopefully everyone here has also been watching that, the filming of Indecent obsessively, because it's such a great filmed um, theatrical production. Um, he said to me, Crystal, we had eight performances. He's like, that's great. It's like, let it be what it is. Like and I, I, and I keep that in my heart, because there's so many times I see things as a visionary going more or in a different way. And I think, when, to come back to your point, I, I think you just don't know when. And I think, so in the case of King Kirby, which is kind of unusual, I remember even our line producer was like, "Well, you can't film them, and you can't do this with them, and actors' equity." And so Fred was trying really hard to figure out a way to get the Kickstarter backers because, you know, Kickstarter backers for that because they were more comics fans. It's hard to kickstart sometimes theater. I think we ended up being between twelve and fifteen thousand, but it was high. But it was because you know we wanted to deliver something to people that couldn't see the show at the time. And he said, "What about audio?" And they're like, oh, I don't think they care about audio. And so we we did that audio for Midtown Comics, got it done with Midtown Comics, and then we had it. And I had thought about it. And then um, uh, when you know, Broadway Podcast Network, we had this, this uh, possibility, we started to look at it. And then when I realized, I'm working with Bobby Cronin on Mary and Max, and he's doing the music for Rain and Zoe, and we often work together on musical projects. I was like, this needs a musical score. And, um, and he's starting to edit stuff. And so the team just really came together uh, from that audio uh, of years ago. And so that it just was another thing to look at that you know we realized would be helpful to listeners. That's the one thing I've thought about a lot is that whatever I'm creating, writing and doing is just is, speak to the times and what is needed in the pandemic. And there's so much in King Kirby about the life of Jack Kirby, who is the co-creator of the Marvel Universe, but you know Stanley's name, but you don't know his as much, why, why? even though there's the Eternals film that just came out, um, you know, it. it's uh, um, and he's on your he's on your T-shirt. You have a Captain America T-shirt, but it's about work. It's about getting valued for your work. Um, it's about it, it, and about a life of an artist. And so the pandemic was so much about that. I was like, not only do we have this, but it speaks to the times. And for me, open deals so much with grieving through magic in, in its own way that um, almost a magical way of thinking, you know, it, 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 I realized it would be good for people at this time. So I, I do try to think like, yes, I want to take advantage of opportunities, but I do try to do things that I feel like will speak somehow to an audience and, and meet them where they're at.
0: Yeah. And the it's interesting because open the show about grieving and violence and the character being a magician is written pre this. And it's true. We're all grieving. We're grieving just normalcy. And I'm not sure we weren't grieving normalcy at 2019 either, but in a totally different way. I'm curious if you felt the moment of awareness of like, oh, what does this piece need versus that sort of thing that happens early on with writing when you know you're a good writer, but nobody's paying fucking attention to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, well, I think there were, I didn't, I was aware since, 2010, which was the beginning, the visual of the guided cradle, which is a, a really great mature piece um, that equates medieval torture, uh, the invention of sleep deprivation torture in medieval times to the the what Donald um, Rumsfeld was doing, and after that cut, which is about three reality TV show writers, which in a way, if you go back to that play, it actually is like kind of the the the. the Beacon of showing the way of he he should not be named so i've always kind of been aware i'm writing to the times and 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 doing that. It's a great question because almost every, you know, um, there have been four great New York Times reviews um, one bad one. (laughs) That was the first one, but it was a good play so screw you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So but uh, they didn't transfer they didn't you know the angels didn't come the thing didn't happen. uh, but when you're a younger writer you don't quite or artist, I don't think you quite understand you hear you hear about this happen to like one or two people and you're like oh that always happens MCC comes and they move the play, but that's not really the way it works. And, and you just don't know till you go through it so I would just say that like like Stephen Rattazzi said, you have the time you have and try your best to build on it. I think what I found in the past couple of years in in this weird, strange kind of downtime, but uptime, uh, uptime for a writer, because you have more time to, to create in a way, um, would be, does it have to be the meeting of theater? And here's the thing, it's all IP. Now, I've been thinking about that for a long time, because I wrote for comics, I wrote for Adventure Time, and I wrote for a few, so, so I was starting to rate, you know, everyone's trying pilots, right? So I was writing pilots and some animated pieces, And so I began to realize through Open, because Open was a play that then had the movie of it that reached more people. At the same time, um, these audio um, production company, Boom Integrated, just before the pandemic, we had this deal to do an eight part uh, first season, hopefully there's more seasons. Of, of the magician's magician, which is what happens to Kristen after. The pandemic actually only added to, to going through loss and grieving. I and mean, there are actual magicians in this podcast. It was a little, it, it, Her YA fantasy book is kind of coming true. And so, you know, I, that's when I began to realize because through making that contract actually, it just became super clear, you know, um, we own this together, I own the character because it's with the play. And so I began to think to myself, be it a comic book, a play, a novel that gets turned into something, It's all something that you've created and it lives in different means and different ways. Not that every piece wants to do that, but too many times we think of a play and then we get really stuck on, did it transfer, did it move? And sometimes it may just introduce you to the next artist you need to work with. Sometimes maybe it becomes something else or the sparking of a new idea, or you have a really great coffee with someone who, who directs your next player or whatever it is, you know? So it, it's, you know, what a piece is leads to things in ways that you don't understand as a young artist. You really think that young piece is then going to do all the things, and really, you need a career. You need a you need a you need a body of work.
0: You well, need, you need that body of, body of work, right? You need that body of work to do what you just said. Like it might lead you to another opportunity. It might lead you to another artist. You know, like you've mentioned, the people you're partnering with. Like you know, currently you're partnering with Bobby, right? Yep. On multiple projects. And yeah. You know, you don't know where that's going to lead when you first don't know you know you think don't know we're working on this play why doesn't this play take off it's like well it did it just took 10 years you know (laughs) and that it's a relationship that took off you know you know there's that great line that um you know my
1: fair lady uh and there's so many plays i love it's not like my fair lady is my favorite play no no offense bernard shaw pygmalion and all that stuff but uh you know, he's like he calls her a squash capital leap or something or something terrible as usual, Professor Higgins. And she's like, you know, why are you so mean to me? Basically, and he's like, well, have you noticed? Am I am I more ki- am I kinder to anybody else? And I think what I think about a lot is I think about <laughs> which I just think is a great response. It's so crazy, oh, so, so crazy. But I also think, look at look at the zoom out. You know, there are so many great plays playwrights stories people making things why is your narrative the narrative and it isn't right that's the big thing we've like also been um, excited to talk about and say you know what this allows me to to give over some extra space and while we're looking you know uh to for new writers I'm gonna you know being vocal as possible for diverse writers um, and, and putting their names forward and all those things you can do. And what working in other mediums has given me the liberty to do and feel really good about, because in general, all industry and business is is kind of weird and strange and dirty and odd, and right? It's like, it's that's what there are, you know, I, I don't love lawyers, but there's lawyers for a reason, right? Because they make contracts because it's too hard to like figure this stuff out um, and agents and so forth. But I think, you know, ultimately when you work in other mediums, you don't have to live in the weird messed up because it is still messed up right now system of theater. And so if you're listen, living in the system of nonprofit theater, it is trying to change, absolutely. But I would say that we're seeing a lot of things that it can only be, you know, can a famous theater suddenly do seven plays a year? Probably not. It probably can only keep doing five, maybe less. Um, maybe it expands into other mediums. So maybe now there's audio drama with it. That's super cool. Maybe new opportunity arises, But but to expect, you know, out of the limited theaters there are actually, and out of those limited slots that you are going to be picked in New York all the time is just um, crazy a little bit. And also, like, do you want to take that space every time? So working in other meetings to come back to that gives me a sense of like, I have never wanted to be on every stage at every moment. I don't want to monopolize. I want things to be done for different pieces for different reasons. And so this helps me uh, live as a writer and, and I'm a dramatist who is a writer, but not have to be in the mindset of like, uh-oh, theater season's over, they didn't pick my play, boop boop, I suck, you know, that's like, just not a great feeling, like it's a really terrible one, and it is a long game, so it's going to take those people about looking at three or four pieces before they finally pick one, most likely. Uh, the transfer thing is very rare and you really have to get in commercial producers and a whole bunch of other things. And because playwrights don't talk more openly when you're younger or be exposed to how that works with nonprofits, they are living under the myth that it really is, you know, that there is, I, I, some playwrights still don't really understand what enhancement money is and those kinds of things. And so they're not really seeing the full picture of financials in terms of how something gets picked and why. Um, and that's nothing about the quality of it. It's just simply like, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. It's not, you know, it's it a system has nothing to do with what happened to you or didn't happen to you. And what's awesome about the pandemic, of course, is that we're talking about changing those systems. And we know those systems go back to to, you know, you know, white supremacy and these other things that are that have kind of locked us into a certain way of looking at things. So so now those conversations are rich and good to be had, but I would be foolish to think that we live in a world of capitalism and those systems can change overnight. I mean, it's it,
0: that's what we're trying to look at. You know? I also think what's great about the breakdown of other mediums like you're talking about is is that it decentralizes that system, that system of when you said being done in New York and how many, play, how many plays can a theater do and, you know, Oh, I just love when you went, this theater didn't, this season didn't happen for me. Cause there is that feeling of like, that, oh, it didn't happen. I'm going to have to wait until maybe another slot in September next year. And it's ridiculous. But the great thing about the other medium is the podcast or the audio drama or the film or the streaming, you know, can happen anytime and it's saved and it's live and it's recorded. And so it can have a life that continues on, which isn't just this limited little window and you can generate it. Like you said, you can Mm. find your own project and say, how does, how do, what does this piece need? And how can I make it? Also interesting when you said that we don't, you know, people don't really talk about systems and stuff. I'm like, I don't know if we don't talk about them. I don't know when you're an early career artist, if you can really hear. Wrap your head around it. Yeah. Cause I know like early on knowing you and going like knowing that your voice was distinct and you were being recognized in certain levels right and not at this other thing Yeah yeah definitely that, yeah. you know and like that's frustrating and i think anybody i know a couple of people because of the farm who might be at that place now and it's almost impossible to hear yeah your writing's really good it's going to take time
1: <laughs> Yeah it's really hard and um you know those conversations Haunt you but they help you um Christopher Shin is a is a friend of mine a playwright um we were in Youngblood together and he read an early play and I'll I'll not forget because I was at like my day job it's like some office and he called me up and and he said this this is brilliant and I said oh, wow and I was like you know I was just transitioning because I, I had studied visual art and and minored in writing and theater as a, as a minor and I was being thrust into it because, because I was writing these short plays and, and, and I was being seen and so I was moving forward and I, I felt like I wanted my work to be in front of a live audience. I sound like Saturday Night Live, but it's true. And when he called me up, he said, this is brilliant. And he said, it's gonna be really, really hard for you. And this was, this was like, I just started writing plays and he was like, it's gonna be very difficult. It's going to be a long road. <laughs> And I was like, this is my friend. And these are really hard. This is really hard. I didn't fully comprehend it. I didn't think he was wrong, though. I remember because when somebody tells you something that's true, even if you don't get it, there's something that happens in your body. And you're like, I, I get this. I, this conversation is important. And uh, and he was, he was absolutely right. And I think for many people, it is long and hard in one way or the other. Maybe the play they didn't love as much as the first one that got done, and maybe they get labeled as something. Maybe, maybe the the money is really good, but it it dries up. Maybe you know there there you know the one thing that connects all writers is there are times that are very fruitful, um, a production and or getting paid for your work, and there are times that are very dried up, and there are times of downtime. And I think I learned because I went through a very severe period of downtime where I was like had three productions from Cut to Geek to Wild. And then I had five to six years um, of nothing. nothing. And I remember it's like how you use your downtime and your craft. And that's the other thing, Patrick, is that it, it can always improve. It can always improve. And so you just have to go back and you have to say, yeah, that play was great. And, but you need to be better at certain things and you got there, but how did you get there? Is it because the actors gave you a lot of notes, is it because you had two weeks extra time is it, you got to kind of look at it, because like you want to keep your process, but if you can also adapt to be flexible to other processes, meaning your writing gets so good. That you don't have to be in the room all the time so good that someone can read it and pick it up and go oh my God and honestly that was the longer road that I didn't understand that I wasn't fulfilling so people one of the things why people were like wait i she's so great why is she not taking off well by the time i saw a production you know i was writing for ensembles so i was going through a developmental process i didn't have to sell the play on paper i didn't i had people that trusted me maybe the vigil because i got picked by the brick and and john hurley with the with the impetuous also picked it so they did take people but again when i have found typically when you have a director or an actor Um, at the literary stage and level. If you have crafts people reading plays and picking plays, they pick a different kind of play usually than a literary manager and a dramaturg. And that's not good or bad. It just means that there's different ways that they're looking at the literary form and i would say that maybe directors and actors kind of are understanding what's what's actable what what what, what roles people even if it's not perfect they're like oh this can be crafted into something they have a little bit more leeway probably because they make thing they make a lot of things and dramaturgs that work in production and also write do get that as well so i think um the lit managers were always impressed actually i i learned that a lot of them fought for me i actually had an off conversation with one once and and they were like Crystal, we really go to bat for you. It's just the timing of things, and so they they were explaining to me the pipeline thing, which I didn't quite understand at the time. That that you know, but it doesn't feel good. But I understood it a little bit better. But also, you know, I said to myself in this in these, I didn't know it would be five years of downtime. But in this downtime, how can I sell it on paper? How can I make it when what it was is published with Sanford? How can it be that good that you read it? And you get all the beats and you get everything and yet i'm not designing it on the page for you and all those things and that's and when i teach i that's the method i try to teach with as is, is that's the goal eventually with drafts
0: oh, i want to touch on the downtime when you're saying downtime it is between production right because i remember wild yeah and uh, because it's not a dry period for you per se on writing no, I I, I never
1: stop writing. Um, I never stop writing. I do write with purpose, meaning like I don't I don't journal. Like that's so terrible to say. I do I do journal a little bit more now, but I I don't. Uh, there's always a story, or I'm exploring a story, or I have a specific idea. So I I I don't write all the time for the sake of writing. There's an idea that's in me that I'm exploring to get out. Like it's a specific kind of concept. Um, but yeah, I just I never. I never i never stop. i think it's because i'm married to a writer so i i do think like it's a little competitive you know it's like it's like what are you doing i was like you know if i was like i gotta if, if it's like i got a rejection letter i don't i i can't write anything today you know fred would be like why <laughs> why <laughs> is a great motivator because you don't really have an answer and you get mad because you're like well no no i don't, I don't feel I don't, good <laughs> I don't, i'm crying it's hard um but yeah, I think why, you know, that's, that's, I, I'm still, I'm still in awe that that is Peter Schaefer's last line of dialogue while he was not in very last line, but I think someone, his lover said, um, I think his husband said, um, they say you're dying, Peter. And Peter said, why, why, <laughs> that's a great question. Like, why? <laughs> like I was like, oh my God, he's writing to the last minute. Um, it, I just, I think he's an extraordinary writer. Um, yeah, so you know it's 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 it is it you know that you can control Gina Femia who who studied with me for a bit stay with a lot of great people, including Lucy Thurber and and uh, she's a wonderful writer and uh, also had that quality so when she was early in my classes I just, I really was drawn to her because she's writing her way in and out and through and I just think it's great because it, it it allows you a healthy balance of of living your life, of of getting it out, of um, not expecting all the time for things to happen, but but making things. Because if you make things, eventually someone's going to see something or read something,
0: and and be excited. Or eventually you'll have a property for something when an opportunity comes up. You know, you know, it's like, yep. oh, great, I do have something for that. Oh,
1: God, yeah. I mean, that's all pitching really is, is that, you know, that's the thing for playwrights. Is there a kernel of a play, even if it's already done, that you think, oh, gosh, that would be so interesting as a TV series, or that would be so interesting as an audio drama, or that's the one character I want to follow. And maybe it's a whole new idea, but maybe the ideas are living in things that you've already made. And I love world building, and I love building out of the worlds and having things speak to each other it's all there for you. You know, your writing takes care of you. It's, it's, it,
0: it, it really does. It I'm, backing like up on character. This. I'm backing up on this thing that you said about getting it on paper. What does that mean? Because I agree. I actually think that is what you want. You want to be able to hand somebody the play. Now, I also think there's a benefit for the writer to be at the first production. And I think your personality yeah. gets infused in that play, you know, but mm-hmm. how do you hand somebody, what does that mean to you to be able to, Have somebody read the play, it's on paper and they get it without having to know you. And what does that shift for you when you talk about that part of your craft or strengthening that part of it? It's a cause
1: and effect and understanding that the story is moving forward, even if it moves forward in its own structural way in a certain way. It's it's really it's really that you don't have to it doesn't have to be all in the moment, but by the end of the play, even if it's a little shaggy and things might've been a little long here or there, you're not quite sure, but everything happened for some kind of reason. There wasn't a tremendous amount of fat that took us away from the main things. Maybe there are delights that, ooh, that maybe we lived in that too long, but, but basically the, the writer shows a command of knowing what the story is and why it's a play and why it's theatrical. And I think those are the things. And so sometimes in drafts, there's a lot of good stuff, but that may not be crystallized yet. It may and then what happens is that it's in competition with a lot of other plays that are crystallized and it's also in competition with other similar themes, maybe, and because it hasn't said hey this is why i'm doing this on this theme, and this is why it's coming from me and the, more than an artist statement, you know, like it's in the work you know it's in there's a vibrancy and there's. um, There's a there's a language you're looking for, but in addition to the language, I do think um cause and effect and it's Lucas um Nate I'm always he's my friend I'm always saying his name I'm so sorry Lucas um but you know there has been a kismet thing in my life that I am very grateful for even though it's been I think as a writer long a long road (laughs) But um, let's see, Sherry, um, who was the head of Young Playwrights at Polar. the time, she passed away. It was very, sh- it was a little shocking to all of us with the Young Playwrights. And so I'd gone to her memorial. Lucas was there because he was a lit manager for a long time there. And and, and actually, he and I worked together at that organization. That's where I met he said, <laughs> Yeah. And he said, he said, um, how's it going? You know, it's like we're out of a funeral. It's like the big chill, you know, And and I was like. Well, for all the things you said, it says, I said, it it seems like things are happening for me, but then there's all these like stops and starts and I I don't really know. And, and, uh, and he said, walk with me. So we started walking Union Square. And I said, I think it's because the plays are weird (laughs) and I'm weird. And I, you know, I came from the outside in theater, which is true. I mean, part of the, part of the honesty of why, as I didn't need more time with my craft, because I was thrust forward a little fast. Um, I'd only been writing plays for two years. I study photography and art for five so you know there's a relationship to those things and so i was like and he goes no it doesn't matter how weird it is i go oh really and he said it's cause and effect because one thing happens and the next thing happens and if we can understand that in a story then we can go anywhere and i had really i knew of that but i hadn't really thought about it that way and i started to be like this is fucking awesome like and i started to think about all these weird plays that you know are super famous and like like, I mean, you know, our, and I was like, it's true. And so then I started to just keep that in mind and try to hone that part of my my craft and yet keep the language and keep the lived inness. Um, and that always, even if you don't yet know how to make things present, like, let's say you have a lot of history in your play. Maybe it's a family play or something. Maybe it's coming from actual history, or something you're inspired by it. If you are doing cause and effect in the present and serving the present, then that will tell you what's the fat and you you know what you don't need because it's not moving things forward in some way even if it's an emotional move forward you know because structure i love that that structure is going to be different i love it it's my favorite thing it's my favorite thing about place it's
0: so cool It's it's you can do anything you can do anything Um, Yeah, because like in
1: in a strange loop, you know, it's so different than, you know, um, Sunday in the Park with George is so different than, you know, um, Passing Strange is so different. They have elements that are similar, but, you know, it's different than Fairview. Like these things are not comparable and yet they they're exciting to look at side by side.
0: Well, I think the cause and effect thing is great. It's great to think about that in such clarity because It's true because people bring so much, sometimes you bring so much personality and your own history to something that you forget the reader doesn't know that world, the reader doesn't know that character, that, you know, they, the reader or the viewer, you know, the audience and they need, they can go anywhere. They just need your logic and rationale to be in on the page so they can go with you and then yeah and then they're like oh there's just and seeds are great
1: so i sometimes i tell my writers too that's okay you know because some cause and effects are more as we say quote unquote because then we see muscular and some are more circular right and that's just kind of like we just have these weird phrases like that you know we know and we don't know because that th- those phrases naturalistic non-naturalistic also linear and non-linear all of those you have to know the person who's saying them because they actually make no sense and everyone uses them <laughs> differently so it's not even about gender. This muscular, not like, like I don't even understand how we're saying it or using it, right? But like, it doesn't have to be every three to five pages something moves for someone else that needs to. Maybe it's every ten pages. Maybe this. But what are the seeds? What are? And it could be an imagery. You know, Carol Churchill's a master of that because she has a lot of things that move forward. But she will use imagery to keep you. There's tension, and she'll just. You'll she'll, she'll be looking for these. These pieces, right? Like in in the scenes of like, I'm not quite sure what's happening. It's kind of near future, but they're making these hats. You know, like what is that? You know, like and the present activity is usually strong too. And so I think that can be something really helpful in it. And if the if the dialogue, you know, then there's the other tricks that some people don't read stage directions right, so that kind of sucks. And so that's never gone away. I think so. It just just and I love long stage. I'm a stage direction junkie. But if you can get them concise, and Tony Kushner knew this. Like, you know, they like uh, slobs, you know, they um, uh, they drink uh, vodka, endless sadness, something like that. Like that is the moment. It's evocative. It's great. It gets us what we need. Like like if you can do it concisely and and be in your voice and and then and, and the dialogue follows and these things don't feel discombobulated, but they they can go side by side if a layered thing is happening. But layered plays are harder to read for some people. And I love writing in layers, so I know how to read them. I think that's great for some reason. I, and I think we're, com- we're definitely coming off of this, which is super cool, but I would say five years ago, it seemed pretty hot to have that kind of MFA kind of writing, which I didn't get an MFA. So, but if I was on a committee picking a play, I could sense them right away because they were usually plays that are like, where are you going? I don't know. Did you get a donut? Do you like donuts? How many sprinkles does it have? I don't know. My mom's dead. Oh shit. Oh, let's get the car. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's eat some more donuts. Let's go. So it was just like a lot up. it was kind of this, I, you know, kind of, kind of, low stakes high stakes kind of dialogue. like it was just playing with things in a different way and i love dialogue that that i think is great but there was a flood of plays like this that were that and i'm not sure where it was coming from or, or it was almost from all the all the ivy leagues <clears throat> that i was seeing it because i'd always be like who oh this person went to Yale. oh this person went to this school or that school so you know um i really do think it's getting better i hope with 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 teaching but at the same time because I was raw and didn't go through that, I was on the outside. So I could see where that was really clever, but I'm not writing to be clever. I'm writing to have an emotional response. And the other thing is that I'm obsessed with designing plays that that work with the audience in a really interesting way that they don't expect. And so that the play really can't happen without them. That did, yeah. And that does not mean audience participation, but there's an investment in how it's built.
0: No, an. Yeah, when you say how it's built, you have that awareness. I love that Lucas said that about cause and effect and that you heard it. But my next, it sounds like through teaching almost, you start to understand, you know, it's like it's like teaching such a great thing because while you're talking to somebody else about their writing, you start to see what you need to apply also, you know, because uh, and I'm wondering if that's true for you. But just as you were talking about like, oh, something I say to my students, I'm like, where does it become crystallized? And I'm like, I think it becomes crystallized when you get to actually see it implemented and have an effect on someone else. And you're like, right, that's what I need to do.
1: Yeah, well, that's you get you get a great gift with teaching because you get to see the gems early on. And that's why writers have been more vocal in the pandemic. I hope they continue to be because cause, cause if anyone's like, I don't know plays are I was like we know where the plays are they were in my class right so um so I've I've been for the even pre-pandemic you know I write someone's like this play came out of my class so you know it because like you produce plays like this you should really be aware of this play um so I you know Aaron Coleman's a great example he wrote a a, a fantastic play called the life and times of, of um Uncle Remus according to Aaron Coleman and it is incredible and he's this um uh Black Latino writer he's absolutely so smart um and uh he is being produced right now with new world rep who, who did, a and he's a finalist for a lot of things right now too. And they also did our rain and Zoe is reading. So he, he, I, I remember when he came in with pages of that kind of like what Gina's plays the class. And I was like, Holy fuck. I was like, this is a tour de force. This guy is, you know, and I see Megan Sullivan is in my classes right now. Um, Lewis Johnson. Um, there's just so many great writers that are coming through my classes and I, and, and through teaching, I get to see, um apply these things see how they see how they work but also with with writers like this they add to the conversation this works for me this doesn't work for me i see it like this i don't see it like this and it's fantastic because it's it's the, again this is tailored for the individual and so i always say i'm going to give notes and if you don't agree that's fucking great like it's the debate and talking and circling around what i'm missing that's going to give you the idea for what you need to do or it's gonna make you go, that's in the play. And I go, oh, is it? Cause I, it, I don't see it. And then they're like, oh shit, it's not. <laughs> and then and that's honestly half of what, what I think mentoring is or teaching is that it's all up here. It's all Amadeus style, it's all in the head
0: and it's I all, all coming, coming out through drafts. I love that you say that about the debate too, because it's the debate, because we're not debating right or wrong. We're debating to find the issue. We're investigating. Cause I'm, and I also think sometimes when somebody says it's in there, sometimes it's not, or sometimes, oh, it's buried. It's in there for you, but it's not in there for the viewer, the audience, you know, like, how do you frame that better? And, you know, so that I'm aware of that that's there and moving it. And I think it is a great conversation. What I liked hearing is that as somebody develops a lot of new plays and talks to a lot of early career writers, I, I'm like, I'm not telling, I, I don't believe I'm telling you what to do. I think I'm pointing out the information or something I need. You sh- let's figure out what that is for you, you know, and, you know. Yep,
1: yep, and how you work, and and something we've also, um, I believe in safe spaces, very, very much so, and so part of that also is understanding, I describe it a little like pots, like if you're working on something, and you're going through something emotionally, and it's too heavy, take that pot from the front burner, let's put it on the back, let's, let's take it. If you if you feel like you want to stay in it and go through it, and that's cathartic for you, and you know your part, process, that's great. If you need to text someone, say I'm in a heavy moment. I just need to know if you're there. You know, but you know, we live. We have lived through, <laughs> I mean, going through of all generations, um, some horrific shit, and it, we just need to to make sure we are we are safe. And I I know I know I know as much as myself writing all the time because fiction. Fiction's is so much more fun than reality. So like in a way, like a part of it's that I get to live in a world where I get to make sense of senseless things, but I get to investigate that as opposed to what, what it feels like life is, which is kind of randomly happening to you. And so I just, I need that to just survive, but there are wonderful writers I love that are starting to write great plays now, but maybe didn't write as much for the past couple of years. And that's okay too, you know, it's, it's really, it's really about what works for the
0: individual. And I agree. How how did um how did your play that's in London? How did they come? How did it come about? How did it get to London? It's you
1: know I had uh, uh, Ken Ward is my cousin in law. I was very inspired by a lot of his actions. There's a p- piece on him, a film called The Reluctant Radical, and um and at the same time you know uh, you know uh, he stopped a coal barge basically and did a defense of the earth uh, in a court of law. At the same time that that was happening. I wanted to do something about teenagers and the climate change movement. And I started to infuse it with all of my family stories because my my dad stole my mom away from her first husband on a motorcycle. He was a race car driver. They went cross country. Uh, They were kind of hippies and they lived this life. And so as I was doing this, I kind of realized that this is my family play that that. um, And I realized it wasn't just Rain and Zoe. There are two other characters that got created who are the players who play frogs and, and owls and different things they meet, but they also embody um, her, her mom. And it's a complicated story with her mom that you discover she was also a militant protester and, and shut, tried to shut down a pipeline, ended up going to jail and she wants to meet her. And um, again, uh, and uh, and the dad who raced this motorcycle, bike dad, he appears, he's really cool. He tries to talk to his son. He's like, hey, but these are these are on their journey. These are in their head, you know? And so, and he's like, oh, be careful what you run. And suddenly so, it's like, go away, dad, fuck off. I hate you. So like, it just has these, you get these intergenerational relationships along with them, which, which almost is like my family story. So there are conversations with my dad that are almost point blank in there. Cause there was one scene I was like, Ooh, I need it that rain is going to create something from an exhaust pipe on a, a motorcycle. And it should be something he thinks is gonna be peaceful at first to make up an effect and it changes later. And so I was talking to my dad on the phone. He was like, you gotta be careful. Are you Googling stuff like nitrates and everything? They'll find that on the internet. They're gonna come to your house. And I was like, ooh, that's going on the play. And so like, you know, uh, and Ken Ward, I shared this play with him early on. And I wanted to get his thoughts. He thought this was great. I can't actually advise on this because I work with climate change groups and you, you, know, you do have them doing some things that, that you know would be difficult for a climate change um, group to be behind, even though it is effective. But that's the question, right? What's when is something required to have an effect that isn't just protesting in a peaceful way, right? Not that it's violent. But when do, when, what causes the cause and effect, right? What, what kind of pressure is there on politicians? How were things made? How is the sausage made? How can we do these kinds of things? So that very conversation that he said about, about there being many different kinds of groups, and, and this is kind of difficult to talk about this play, went into the play in a conversation where Zoe's calling up an, a fellow activist. So, you know, it, I wanted the play to really ask the questions of what, in a, in a, Time where we don't really have the answers, and we know we can't go back, and we know we can't reverse things, and we have to manage where we're at. Yet we have to try to do the best we can to save this world. What's possible, and what can we do, and what is effective? And just to have those conversations while they're trying to get to this power plant that they think is really terrible, and um, and then the journey story becomes a real coming of age story. So, um, which is kind of my thing. I mean, almost every piece has a coming of age quality. Yeah, and it's just something that that that. I have a kind of YA-ish kind of voice, and it's just how I, I even speak that way. So um, <laughs> everyone's like, how old are you? Like, <laughs> um, uh, so there's just that quality. And so I had written that um, and everyone loved it. And, and New Harmony, we had a great reading of it, um, New Harmony Project in Indiana, they, do, uh, they did a two week uh, development of the play. And uh, that reading made people cry at the end, and I knew I had something. And in that audience, we were surrounded by Trump signs, not the people in the conference necessarily, but there were people that weren't a, as far of the climate change journey being affected by the play. And I, I thought, this is a play that can really reach people and really hit home, even on the verge deniers, and really hit home the effect of it. It's not just a liberal play. And I thought, that's very exciting. But then, um, let's see, when it went in the hands of theaters, <laughs> just theaters, uh, you know, there was became the very interesting conversation of like, there are too many visuals, this is a screenplay. There are too many locations, you know. But again, these are, just, these are just things that people say I've learned when they don't connect with the play in a certain way. Because a reader doesn't connect with your play or think it's cute or fun and, and can't understand the drama underneath sometimes if things are humorous, that's always hard. If things are darkly humorous, it's hard for people to read because people are used to things a little heavier sometimes, I think. But also, you know, it has to do with their experience and the kinds of things that they're drawn to and the kinds of things that they, they read. But I, I knew that if they saw it, they would get it. And so I just I learned this from musicals and from working with Bobby and I learned that, you know, it's very hard to share a musical with someone by just reading it and listening to the songs. You can, but if we can get it in front of people, if we can have a little movement, if we can demonstrate what it is, if we could show some design before we hear it read, that really helps. And so I started to apply that to all my plays. Open was like that. When I met with the tank, I said, "Megan Hill, I kind of had a proposal. I kind of talked about it. I kind of Pitched it, basically. And so because I became more about pitching and understanding, I kind of let myself on the hook. I was like, okay, I know the play is good on paper. It's not getting to the artistic director. How can I then position it to people that will understand it? And I think just to end that conversation, I think the big thing I learned, which is what what's happening with um, Rain over here, you know, Drew and Dane are the commercial producers. They are producing it with German Street and German Street picked the play. But, you know, those things are working in tandem together and i just heard a lot from the nonprofit community on its own in the beginning of you're you're too commercial like you're too weird and you're too commercial which is kind of odd right. um those but the truth tr- those are contradictory things but hey man uh well i caught the times caught up with me and i caught up with the times and mm-hmm. isn't that a wonderful thing indecent is fantastic it's very com- artistic it's very commercial like i mean like i'm, I'm you know broadway is broadway so but i you know i think that just because something reaches a lot of people doesn't mean that it's not important, and um, and just because something might have bigger visuals and yet be a very intimate kind of feeling doesn't mean it's not a worthy play. Um, you know, so I just learned not to not to not to beat myself up if that someone didn't connect with a piece, and just say, great, how do I how do I find the right people? And so I was lucky that that night that play was read with the right people. And I also want to say um, the director, Ellis, um who's younger you know he um he's in his mid-20s he read the play he felt very passionate and he called me up and he said I'd like to work on this play I'd like to develop it a little bit and it really helped me see the merit of it again after New Harmony because New Harmony had that thing reading nothing happened yet and then it wasn't till like maybe 2018 um when Hirsch began to work on it and then because sometimes it hurts too and you have to do you have to just be like okay gotta write the next play because I don't know what to do like I know this is a great play I haven't met the people yet I I don't know what to do and so I would say that that meant a lot to me and by him shining a light on the piece then I understood how to talk about it and then we both started shining lights on it and then we we went forward in that way and he's he's directing the production which I'm really proud of that's fantastic
0: yeah and then and then you did a reading for the the people who are producing it yeah we did
1: in their living room Uh, well they have like kind of a space like a studio space um and bobby was there we didn't even have music yet and he was listening to it and he was involved and yeah and Salma shaw who was in that reading is in uh, has uk citizenship so we we you know we are casting from from uk citizens here and she she is in the production so that's pretty cool so we have a lot of ties um and honor to people who have done the work um, with us and, or, you know, and I'm so grateful to everyone who's developed this play, which are, which are amazing people. Um, Tony Vo, uh, Sasha Diamond. Very, very early on when I just had a few pages, like it was probably even 2015, uh, they did some readings of it. It's, it's been a loved play. Uh, Megan Hill did some readings of it. Megan Hill actually really helped me, who, who, who was in op- my play open and a lot of my pieces. I had too many characters in the play in a way, and I was losing Rain and Zoe. I had a too big an ensemble and she called me up and said, we're losing them. And so then I realized it needed to be focused on their journey and the ensemble needed to go down to two. At first, I tried to make it just Rain and Zoe, but it was missing something and it needed that theatricality.
0: Yeah, I want to say, the, I'm not surprised. There's one of the things when you said aware of the audience, I know what you mean because you have a theatrical awareness just from you know geek to to, to open is is different theatrical, but clearly creating worlds and, and inventiveness for the audience to experience the plays in. This conversation is great. And I love hearing about how just all the ways you've thought about building your plays and opportunities. I'm wondering for you, you know, it's interesting to think about the, when you said, oh, i have doing it the 15 years before that is, what do you carry with you now when you're, that you may not have had, you know, when thinking about 15 years ago? I also no, want to I, say that I think, I also want to say, I think 15 years sounds like a long time.
1: I can never know. Sometimes I say five, 10, eight, like I just make up random numbers, but it,
0: but it, but it, but it, but it might be, it's at least 10, but it, but it's not that long <laughs> when you're building a body of work and a career and you're growing because things happen along that way.
1: Things happen along that way. And I think the best is that, you know, I think making it on your own and creating it is a developing it even, even in a class or a workshop or with a writers group. Um, is the easier part, which is so hard to, to, to you know, first you had to write it, you had to come up with the idea to do it, you know, you had it. And then when you, you try to get the your best team together possible, and then you start making it together. And then, and then you also have to go through and learn and listen at the same time and with all of it. And so I think a lot of it's also just, Living in the moment, I think that that's something I understand a lot more. Or taking in things at the time, and I I often say this because I just need to think sometimes. I just need to process. So I'm trying to understand just what's going on, be it a conversation, being a red flag that we see in the future, but we don't know if it's it's something that affects the production yet or what the play is. Um, so in production, I think I'm I'm more aware of. Of these kinds of things, this Brandon Zoe is probably the largest production of a play of mine, and I'm already still learning. Like I came off of a talk today after rehearsal, and I was like, "Okay, I'm still learning," because I've never had been in a room with you know um, you know I always had designers, but now I've got a projection designer there with me. I've got music being added. I've got you know just every and unfortunately i write too many props and that is a, a problem um so you know there's just levels upon levels and in a way i think when it becomes this and the play is so strong the the in downtown when it's a little smaller i think the room just operates a little bit differently and i would say there's an organicness so we have an organicness but there's also Layers that the production team now needs to do and explore and find. And I can't necessarily give all the answers to that because they need to play and shape things. And yet I need to, to, to be there too. So, so, you know, we even had a talk today. I was like, Oh God, I love everything so much. But you know, uh, do I need to come out? Do I need to take a few days off and then come back in? Right. Cause like, you know, all those things like, and I do think that's important to think about that with process. I've always thought about that, but what do I take with me in terms of like being a writer, I think would be, Oh my gosh. There's always, you know, it's there for you. Your writing is there for you, whether, whether you see it, whether you're having a production or not, just, just keep creating. And I know that will always be there for me and bring me great joy. And so that's what I, that's what I understand. I understand better how to go back into myself and understand the merit that I have, even if others can't see it. And it's like Horton, here's a who, how, how can I help people see it? How can I communicate? Yeah. I think that's one no, better.
0: It's interesting. It was this late in the conversation. I was going to ask this earlier, but it's almost when you said, oh, there was one bad time for you, screw you. You know, I can I can see it even when others can't. And I think that's one of the things you you have said out loud on social media. Like, I if you didn't get something, you're like, I belong there.
1: Yeah, I said it about New Emily and I talked, we're okay. Emily Morse, it's a great organization. Yeah, Um, it's a a great organization. It's a great organization.
0: And, Um, and, And I thought it was a bold thing, but also not, you know, I was like, there's something to what you just said, like, is, I think there's a maturity after a while of knowing, like, yeah, they don't see it. I have to figure out how to make them see it, you know? But what I loved about your answer and also doing that is you see it and know it, yeah. not only see it, but know it. Yeah, it was interesting when I said that was
1: wrong, it was misinterpreted a little bit, just because, and I understand now, because foundations see that kind of language in a different way. And so immediately there was, uh, well, immediately from playwrights, <clears throat> uh, Facebook, I'm better, I, I, I'm in love with Instagram, at the time that was my, I think that had like seven hundred thousand likes and Nikki Silver's writing and Teresa Rebick's writing and uh, Dominic moroso's writing, we're all writing, um, but it helped, con- it, what it did do is kind of what I was saying, which is that it's not about corruption. It's not that there was a problem. It has a very accountable, beautiful method of picking plays. That's not what I meant. What I simply meant was that I've been in this, maybe as long as Paula Vogel had applied, you know, that speech doesn't work for me because I, I probably clocked her already. And so did I start applying too early? Yes. Are there other things? Yes, we can look at technically, sure. But at the same time, I just wanted to ask, I just wanted to say i just wanted it to be known that like i'm worthy of being there and i understand that i am and i think that's what i was trying to communicate is what you picked up on i did learn in terms of what i take taken the room with me now i did learn i got so much response from texts and people saying crystal if you have a feeling you call me uh to other new dramatist members saying wait it's your time i was like everybody has such a vested interest in this and later emily and i talked and i understood the pain that she felt by me posting that and uh and the organization and i and I take a responsibility for that because when you do something like that, organizations aren't organizations, they're people. And so just, you know, I just something I am aware, I am aware of now in a more mature way. But I would say that there's still way to ways to find that kind of honesty and there's kinds of ways to build things and. Um, a lot of good things that came up on the third I was like that's awesome you pointed it out, what are you going to do, and I think that is a beautiful thing and i've been trying to find that organically with how I mentor playwrights or bring forward their names and ways and how I teach because at that point I really believed that i had to be a member of new this or i wasn't uh, an actual playwright and I, I just i just had that in my head and a lot of people do and so i'll just say you don't have to i also will probably apply again if it exists and by the way we need to help it because it needs help during the pandemic
0: absolutely so. and it, it, i'm glad you said that because i'm glad you actually talked about it i didn't mean to open that up as much as the declarative that i always impressed with because you're right there's a there's there's this one thing you have to know after a while you know we all know it's like there's only so many slots there's only so many and slots. Then, it really doesn't mean there's not. You know, there's five slots. It doesn't mean there's not twenty-five worthy. It doesn't mean there's not twenty-five hundred worthy. You know, it's like there's, but there's so many slots. But I think when we get, which goes back to the very beginning of our conversation about the different mediums and different opportunities and different ways, and what is this worth? Yes, mean, is once you, if you think, well, I'm only gonna make it I will only know that I'm a writer if this organization says so or this grad school says so or this whatever it's like you're putting a limit on yourself because we're already learning that the world's expansive
1: and you lose like you immediately lose in that conversation and your worth shouldn't be tied up like that so I you know I was facing my own demons there and I think also like and, but 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 I think what other people saw was like oh my God other because we didn't know that at the time or at least I didn't and other people called me and thanked me. Um, there was many more of that honestly because they saw famous people like fa- pe- playwrights that had won incredible awards say this was also hard for me. And we just needed that. We didn't need to do it around one name or one organization. And certainly not one that gives you free coffee, which is fucking great. And that library is amazing. And well, the door you know, is open and there. The door is like, open. Oh, I, I didn't I've mean- written <laughs> plays in there. It's a great place.
0: I just want to say, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I, I have nothing but great feelings for it. I think the part that I'm attaching to is recognizing back to what you had said about if others don't see it, I see it and I need to make them see it. And I think yep. need to make them see it is there can be this youthful defiance, right. Of like, you've got to see, you know, like demand that they see it in it as opposed to what's the Avenue that's right to showcase my work, my voice in the best way for people to see, Oh, that's who that is. Oh, right. There's talent there. Oh, and, I, know,
1: and give your time to pro- give yourself time to problem solve. Um, I still do it. Like I think today off of River. so I was trying to problem solve a little too soon and I, I you need time. You got to process it. You don't have to have all the answers right now. Just you know, you can just live in what it is and it's okay. And time, and this is this is something I was able to use in the pandemic because even though I was like freaked out like we all were and really hunkered down, but time does not operate the way we think it does. Time moves in ways there are there is time. There is time. It doesn't feel like there is and you feel like you lose it and you feel like you when, especially when you're saying goodbye to a loved one or you regret something or you want to go, but it's there for you. It exists. It exists always. So, you know, you just don't have to, you know, try to get out of your head a little bit with that time. And so I was placing time and value, possibly age and a lot of other things on something, a lot of societal things on one thing. And one thing is not meant to do that. It's not meant to. And so I think also, I was so unhappy when you're totally right. I was so unhappy when I was just depending on theater because it was it couldn't be all the things, but it's not meant to be all the things. And I did start to separate too. I don't know if this is helpful for anyone. And sometimes I write little dialogues online still. There is Mr. American Theater, which I hope changes. And I think it's starting to change. But Mr. American Theater, who is a character that Rob Askins, I think, used to kind of play with. He'd be like, oh, Mr. American Theater. But Mr. American Theater, you know, he comes and he's like in the bushes. He's like, why are you ready podcasts? Why don't you come and like be rejected by my theater whatever? Like he's like got his own thing going on. <laughs> whatever and that the nasty spirit, voice is. Right. And then the spirit of theater is something different. I mean, theater and the art form and the business, which again, it is not a real business. I know because each place can operate crazily differently. So it's not like so. So really, I mean, we're talking about, again, not just one system, but like many different kinds of fractions of a system. So like you are an individual, look to work with other individuals. And Washburn always said that, too. She said it's about people, you know, it's not about places. It's about people because people move and people change. Who do you want to work with? Who who is best to be be a part of your work? And so even though Marine and Zoe is like the biggest thing I've ever undertaken and it's happening to me, I feel 120% secure because every person in that room is the right person to be there. And that's how you win. We already won. Like, you know, yeah. it doesn't even need to be a show because, because even if it's, you know, it will be what it is, but it's destined to be what it is because of that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's exactly what it is about the people. Cause you're creating something, whether you're doing it in a different, venue different country different institution is it's the 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 people that all the people involved are what's making the art and that's great I think that thing about time is probably something you I would I always say like what would you have told your 25 year old self and I think that's something you should tell your 25 year old self is like time doesn't work the way you think it does which I think is true I also that five year down period makes me laugh because that seems like eternity when it's happening. And then all of a sudden you flash forward to today or last couple of weeks, you're in Minneapolis and you're going to London. And like, there's no shortage of work. And if you had said five, you know, in that five-year period of time, this is going to be happening. Mm. You know, you couldn't have imagined that because nothing- I couldn't have.
1: I couldn't have at all. Like, yeah, it's beyond what I- that's the thing that makes it great is that once you start to work it out, um, one, once you start to work it out, you start to go, I can always write something, I just can't describe, it. like, like you, you you can also, and also you, you, there's something like you go to, you're like, if you're ever like, I, I don't know what to do, or like I'm frustrated, you go to an art museum, right? And you're like, ooh, this is really interesting. <laughs> like, you know, you can't turn it off. Or, you, or something's influencing you, or a, a moment with a, with a friend and you're going through something and you're writing these little notes about ideas. All this stuff needs to happen, kernels, ideas, also disagreements, um, arguments, um, debates, um, seeing things different ways feeling things, all these things, they can't all happen at the same point that you're writing all the time either. And it can't all happen in production. It can't, it just can't all happen at once. I mean, even though we feel like it with the pandemic and I, I've tried to squeeze a lot in now, I'm kind of realizing, Ooh, I need to be in the real space in real time all the time. Um, what's the advice is for sure to me, like just have, have faith in yourself, but don't be afraid to call some up and say, kind of like, uh, this is what I would do now. Like, I wouldn't necessarily post on Facebook, but talk about how you feel. It's unfair. Talk about what's going on. Does that become an organized thing? Maybe it does, but maybe try to work through it first for yourself. And like, but if you are relying entirely on other people to validate you, to lift you up, to do things for you, go back to your own backyard and say, what can I do for myself? And then how can i communicate and ask for what i need because the one thing i'll tell you is a place different like because it's like can you read this name of a process if you have a direct ask it is very very and it's manageable it's achievable goals it's very rare people say no it's very very rare if it's something that you're like this showrunner's awesome and and if i'm like friends with them and i i might say i have a pilot i know you're busy when I get to the right place and they might say, hey, I only have a chance to read one thing, but they, but they probably will. And I, you know, if you have a friend, can you read this? Play? Like, can you, if I had a reading of five people and, you know, the a few lit managers and they could, you know, ask for what you need. Um, I wish that more people came and, you know, this is what causes despair. You can be in despair. You can be crying. You can be feeling like everything's like, ugh, I can't describe it, like you're drowning. And no one sees you and no one hears, and it's really hard. And I think you just have to say, hang in there. How can I ask, how can I make a call? Just start, just start because it will lead from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and it will, it will save you and it will be okay. Um, Cause we're humans. Um, so I think the most important thing is that self care with the practice. And I'll tell you what, just like when you lose a draft <laughs> and you have to rewrite it, which sucks, it happens less now, but it sucks. It's always better. The time, the extra time, the honing, the learning, the experience, the relationships—it's always better. It's like it's like a marriage in a way. Like it, you know. I mean, I I know sometimes, or marriage to several people if you do different, you know, or not get married. <laughs> I know that's a complicated thing, right? It's like it's hard because you know it's, it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. It, it's a journey, um, but every journey is so is so different. Um, I think, and 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 that's the hardest thing I would say is that sometimes as you get older this advice sounds like stuff that I heard. And I was like, like, every journey's different. It's like, (laughs) I know that, bullshit. Like, what (laughs) does that mean? What are you talking about?
0: the whole conversation was great thank you crystal you know i love at the end every playwright has their own journey which is true but you know what the hell does that mean i also liked. i you know i brought up the new dramatist thing it was a post i'm sure you gathered that from the conversation on facebook of just i brought it up because crystal claimed you know that she belongs there when there was rejection and i think we all have experienced rejection at places where we felt like our play should be produced or we should get that fellowship or get into that school or whatever, to, you know, get that job. And I thought it was interesting that she claimed it. And my, my asking about it was not to get into any controversy, but to just talk about what did that do for her. And, and I just really also appreciated in it the maturity at which she looked at that moment and, and you know, foundations and institutions are made up of people and and recognizing that was really great, and knowing that she had had a conversation with it since, and uh, with Emily, who runs the program, and I, I really appreciated her talking about it in a mature way. Because new drama is great, um, and I also liked that she said, you know, she, she can make those declarations today to other people. It doesn't have to be on a public forum, but um, but I really liked how she talked about that, and I liked the advice, and I liked the idea that also time. Doesn't work the way we think it does, and I think that's true when you're developing a project and when you're building a career. And so, and as she has proved to, so you know, it was really great. And I hope. Uh, I also like the cause and effect. I think that making sure the reason there's a logic, it doesn't have to be my logic. It, it's your logic. It's the playwright's logic. It's the logic of the world. But as long as we can get traction of that cause and effect, then the play will resonate and make sense. And I think I think that was great to think about because uh, something I. Believe, but haven't articulated in the simplicity of cause and effect. So, a really enjoyable conversation. Thank you, Crystal. I hope everyone out there is doing great. I hope you're, you know, still staying healthy and protecting yourselves, doing whatever you need to do and getting out. I'm looking, you know, the, we had a snowstorm a week ago and now the weather is great and um, hoping it's going in that direction and continuing so, so that we can get out and experience one another in person and see the work and make work and uh, also do all the other things that give us pleasure. So again, appreciate you listening. And I I haven't said this in a while, but if you're listening to the podcast and you like it, give it the five-star review because that helps people find us. Appreciate you recommending it to other people. And with that, we're out.